We have two short Bible readings this morning, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. The first is from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verses 10 to 14. And that can be found on page 589, if you've got a Bible from, from up the back, the church Bibles. It's right down the bottom of the page. So that's Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 10 to 14. Don't say, why were the former days better than these, since it's not wise of you to ask this. Wisdom is as good as an inheritance and an advantage to those who see the sun, because wisdom is protection, as silver is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of its owner. Consider the work of God, for who can straighten out what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider, God has made the one as well as the other, so that no one can discover anything that will come after him. The second reading is from Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. And that's found on page 1033 of the Church Bibles. So Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Thank you, Lydia, and good morning, everyone. If I've met you, my name's Ed, Senior Minister here at OEC. We're in week two of our series on time. Thank you for all the wonderful questions you've asked, and I uh, apologise for some of my poor answers. Uh, we're on a journey together in this topic, and uh, can I encourage you, open your Bibles at home, dig deep, uh, pray lots, uh, for we're seeking wisdom, not just the right answers, for wisdom leads to the good life. So that's what I've been praying for myself and for you guys this week, that we would know wisdom and have the good life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today for brothers and sisters to gather and do the journey of time with. Lord, we beg you for wisdom, for with, without wisdom we are fools, and we know that you are the place where wisdom is found. So give it richly to us this morning through your word and by your spirit. Amen. Well, in February 2015, Hamilton launched the musical... And young people flocked to it uh, from across New York and America. Now, some might say Hamilton made musicals cool again. Were musicals ever cool? I don't, I don't know. Now, using mainly hip-hop music, it tells the tragic and inspiring story of one of the founding fathers of America. Alexander Hamilton was an immigrant, a soldier, an orator, and a financial genius. And I think one of the reasons the musical has been so popular with young people is that the lyrics of the songs, they echo the Western hopes that beat in our heart, but they do it in this ancient story of struggle. Some of the lyrics include, I'm not going to waste my shot. I will never be satisfied 
who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Hamilton is an anthem for our YOLO world. Now is all that matters. Death is the end. So I've got one shot to make a difference. One shot to be satisfied. One shot to try and be remembered. In the YOLO world that we live in, time is very, very short and it's disconnected from history. And that view of time shapes how we view ourselves. If we see time as centuries and years, then I'm just a little dot. But when time is minutes and seconds, I'm a giant. And in the YOLO world, time is a blank slate to pursue self-fulfillment. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you'll hear your kids and teenagers, they'll talk about you do you or whatever the latest version of that sentence is. And you do you is is the mantra for the world. A guy called Colson Whitfield says this, in a world where the selfie has become a dominant art form, phrases like you do you and its tribe provide a philosophical scaffolding for our ever-evolving, ever-more-complicated narcissism. Narcissism is selfishness. You see, our short, narrow view of time creates a world where we celebrate being selfish. But it hasn't brought any peace. We end up in a world where we have the Putins of the world doing you do you. That's all he's doing. We end up with the rich and powerful of Orange using the poor and the voiceless of Orange for their self-advancement. We end up with a billion people chasing the wind. And the average person, and especially our teenagers, crippled by the pressure and anxiety of life being completely up to them. Our YOLO world misreads time because we don't exist in a timeless moment of self-formation. No matter what you believe, you are not masters of your own time. As we saw last week, we are dependent, finite creatures made for eternity. And we are participants in a long story interconnected with other humans. God has a much better story and life for his image bearers than narcissism. It's the life of contentment, joy and hope, no matter what season of time you are in. And the path to that better life is spiritual timekeeping. It's understanding who we are and when we are in relation to history. And that was Moses' prayer in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days, God, carefully, so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Knowing who you are and when you are leads to the path of good wisdom. Now, the Bible, it reveals God's grand story across time. 
And that story gives shape and context to every little sub-story that sits under it. Uh, Lots of you will have read this book, All the Light We Cannot See. I've been really enjoying it over the last month. And what it is, it's a story that interweaves a French blind girl's story with a German soldier. And it's set in the 1940s. Now, the book isn't about Nazi Germany. It's not even about World War II. But we only understand the French girl's story and the German boy's story, understanding their little stories under the big arch of the war. Likewise, you can only understand your story or the story of culture in Australia by understanding the grand story that all of these little stories sit under over time. Now, God's grand story is relatively linear and simple. It goes from point A in Genesis chapter 1. God created all things and it moves to point B, the new creation described on the last pages of the Bible. And that's the view from the helicopter. But if you go down on the ground, there are billions and billions of little stories like your life and my life. And in our stories, we're experiencing twists and turns and highs and lows. And we can actually sometimes forget there, is an e- there even is a big grand story above us. Yet God's grand story keeps going, whether you believe it or not. Because he is the one with the great story over all time. And because he's the creator, it never fails. It never stops. And in the Bible, he even tells us what the last page is. Up on the screen, Ephesians 1 verse 9, Ephesians 1 verse 9, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, a plan for the right time, what is it? To bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. The new creation is not you getting everything you want. The new creation is Jesus Christ on the throne. He is the king of kings and every single body and animal and creation is on their knees around him. That is where time and your life is heading. And so what do spiritual timekeepers do? Well, we understand that every single human, the embryo, the people in the nursing home this morning with dementia, with you and me, we're all part of God's story. And therefore, who I am and why I'm here is not defined by my feelings. Really helpful answer by Sam this morning. Who you are is not defined by your feelings. Actually, it's not even defined by your self-discovery. You are a handmade creature in God's story. You are important and small. And knowing where God's story is going will enable you to make decisions on how to use the very limited time God gives you. We'll talk about that more next week. Now, God's grand story, it's not primarily about humans. We think everything's about us, but in God's grand story, it's actually about God. God is acting across time from creation to new creation. And historical time is the vessel God uses to reveal himself clearly. 
So as you read the Old Testament and journey with Israel, you get to know the God of the universe as he speaks and speaks and speaks. And historical time is also the vessel God uses to get his story from point A to point B. God makes promises in time and he works through historical people and nations to implement his plans. One of, the God, one of God's major promises that has reverberated through history is in Genesis verse, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. It's a 3,500-year-old promise. And it's where God promises that he will reverse the effects of human sin, which has broken the original creation, and establish a new creation through Abraham's descendants. And so the whole Old Testament is God working out that promise in the history of Israel through the twists and turns. But 2,000 years ago, the revelation and work of God reached its culmination in the incarnation. The incarnation, Jesus becoming a baby at Christmas, it is the nexus of history and eternity coming together because time became home to its creator. See it in John 1.18, no one's ever seen God. The one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side, he has revealed him. God turned up in time. Annabelle's question, great question. You know what the answer is? Three words, God turned up. That's how we know how God exists. He turned up in time. Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, gave us a full picture of God. And so if you want to be a spiritual timekeeper, you will avoid conceptualizing God in your mind. No, no, you'll go to the point in history when God revealed himself clearly. And God came into time to deal with sin just as he promised. That sin's not just out there. That sin is in all of us. We are not innocent victims being held back by external pressures like white men or Western governments. That's not what sin is. We sin. You and I, we pretend that we are God and ignore our creator. And so spiritual timekeepers do not blame other people for their sin. They own it. We are all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. We stand guilty before our creator destined to be judged at a set time in the future and excluded from the new creation. Then we read Galatians. Because when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because your sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You love those words? 
when the time came to completion. At exactly the right time, Jesus came as one of us to redeem us from our sins. For those of you who have read Jesus' story, you'll know timing is really important to Jesus because for 30-odd years, Jesus says, it's not the time. It's not the time. It's not the time for me to be crowned king. It's not the time for me to be widely known as a saviour. But exactly at God's right time, he was arrested and he was beaten and he was crucified on a wooden cross. On the first Easter, the perfect one, God himself willingly took our sins and punishment. And as Paul declares, you see it there, Jesus paid the redemption price to adopt you into God's family. He rose again to confirm his victory over sin and death. Spiritual timekeepers, they recognise that the cross of Jesus is the most decisive event in their life. Christianity, it's not about believing um, uh, abstract truths. To be a Christian is to personally engage with the Christ event that happened 2,000 years ago. Because for those who repent and believe and engage with the incarnated Jesus, they join him at the cross. Our sin dies with Jesus on that cross. We we are raised with Jesus when he is raised from death on Easter Sunday. And when you believe in that and connect your entire life to it, everything changes. You go from darkness to light. You go from being dead to alive. From guilty to forgiven. From enemy to to adopted it's not your feelings it's true and it never changes and your god's spirit dwells in you forever reminding you that you are his and what you do in your short time on earth is part of his story Interestingly, the length of time between Jesus dying and rising again and us does not minimise the relationship we have with Christ. You are not like a 300th. You don't get Jesus like after 300 people. You know, you're getting the scraps, right? Christians inhibit time as linear and folded. We live between the cross event and the new creation, 2,000 years has passed, absolutely, yet time folds so that we engage with Jesus directly. The burial of the Count of um, Orgaz is an incredible piece of art by El Greco in 1586. As you look at the picture, you notice that the heavens and earth merge. But what's more important is how time past and present merges. We see Stephen, 1st century, Augustine, 5th century, and a 14th century mayor, all as part of the funeral, and even El Greco's son, who who lived 100 years after it, is there. The point that El Greco is trying to make is all people, all Christians, have an immediate and intimate relationship with Jesus. 
And Dillard, a great theologian, says this, the absolute is available to everyone in every age. How? Because by his word and his spirit, time folds so that the tradie living in 2023 is as close to Jesus as the apostles in the first century. Spiritual timekeepers live now with the crucified king, Jesus, as their living king. The Marvel franchise, for those of you into Marvel, they love to play with time. It's fiction, just so you know, right? Superhero fiction, right? Time is really slow for Captain America. He just doesn't age. Then as the fiction keeps going, you've got Doctor Strange who travels the multiverse of time where there's lots of different time dimensions. In the last few months, we've, we've um, seen Ant-Man 3. It, it is as bad as it sounds. Uh, and he goes to the quantum realm, which is outside of time. See how they're progressing in their thinking? Now, Marvel is not original. Sorry for those who think it is. Marvel has its roots in ancient Greek philosophy, where time was something to escape. The Greek philosopher said you've got to escape time because that's where meaning and truth is. And we see this today in the YOLO world of doing life. It's not new. It's just the old Greek way of doing it. And actually, we see it in Christians who think the purpose of life is to escape life to heaven. God has a different view. His grand story of self-revelation and salvation happens in time. And all of our short lives are part of that story. Therefore, the purpose of life is never to escape time or live in a different time or even just live in this moment of time. That will lead to the frustrated and foolish lives. The purpose of life is to play your part in God's story. Great quote here. Time is not a blank slate for our accomplishments. It is a symphony we are asked to play our part in. The wise life, the good life, comes from knowing who you are and where you fit in God's story and then living that out in the twists and the turns of life in time. That's called spiritual timekeeping. So let's do some together. In our YOLO world, where do you find your worth? Those of you who are parents, as you teach your children who they are and where do they find their worth, where do they get that in the YOLO world? Well, the YOLO world says this, your worth and identity comes from what you achieve and do. That is who you are. By what you achieve and what you do is what your worth is. So your worth is linked to your usefulness. When you stop being useful, we will euthanize you. When you are not useful to me, I can abort you. And teenagers who don't get to usefulness get just put in certain parts of life. So you do you sounds great if my worth is up to me. But it is an absolutely horrible way to live. YOLO is an awful developed world, not underdeveloped world or third world. It's only in the developed world because it's self-indulgent and it's got a hollow philosophy of life. 
because YOLO misunderstands time and it produces a selfish world. It puts unbearable pressure on us. It is in a path to absolute failure because life is uncontrollable. And it declares the life of an embryo and the person with a disability and the elderly as worthless. In God's grand story, he says your worth is not dependent on your usefulness. It's not dependent on your beauty. It's not dependent on your marks. It's not dependent on your experience, your influence, your age, none of it. Your worth comes from being a handmade creature. And no matter what you've done or not done, the crucified and risen Jesus offers forgiveness, reconciliation and restoration as a gift to all who come to him. Matthew 11 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For those of you sitting here this morning, your worth is not defined by your parenting. It's not defined by your achievements. It's not defined by your work. We are not loved more when we're busy, even if we're doing ministry. Even if you achieve nothing in this life, even if right now your body is so broken and your mind is so broken that you are not producing anything usefulness, you are justified and valued by the King of Kings. So our worth comes from knowing we are God's forgiven and loved children because God turned up in time and that he is in control of time now and he will bring us to the new creation. I became a Christian at 17. It took me two years to get this. My first two years of being a Christian was like carrying the weight of like a 200 kilogram weightlifting bar on my shoulders. Because what I did is I grew up as in a very successful family where I had to please my parents and my school and I had to live the kind of western north shore life in sydney and then i had to add god's expectation onto that so suddenly i was so much more weighted down but then someone taught me that in god's story i get a god-given identity not a self-made one and god took the weight bar off and it's never been back my worth comes from god and it's total freedom Humans have always played the nostalgia game. How long did you think it took Adam and Eve to recall the nice time in the garden before it was ruined by kookaburras and leaf blowers? Better Back in Egypt was the top-rating track of the Old Testament as they wandered the wilderness. And Better Back In has been sampled in every generation since as we try to escape the time we are in. Lots of you go, oh, how much better was it before we had kids? How much better was it when Christianity was tolerated in the 60s and the 70s? How much better was life when my body worked and my brain worked? When I was at it and my old church was so much better. You see, the teacher in Ecclesiastes, which we read earlier, was familiar with the allure of nostalgia. 
And his counsel is blunt and radical. If you've still got it open, 7.10, he says this, Don't say, why were the former days better than this, since it is not wise of you to ask this. He's not saying asking questions is bad. He is chastising nostalgia because it's naive. The good old days are only better when you forget how foolish you were in those days. Instead, the teacher encourages us to see how God is our ever-present companion in every time of life. Chapter 713 of Ecclesiastes, Consider the work of God. Who can straighten out what he has made crooked? Your life, my life, it's a mysterious path of bend and pivots, zigs and zags. Can I just tell you, that's not a mistake. That's life in God's creation. You cannot make the line straight. When you see God's grand story, what you see is that at each of the zigs and zags, God is with you. He's been caring for you and offering beautiful, life-preserving wisdom. The wise person walks with the crucified Jesus through every time of life. At each zig and zag, Jesus gives them courage to make a hard decision, to learn from past mistakes, to endure when life is dire, to see clearly in confusing times, to avoid temptation, to receive forgiveness in failure. Your Christian life is not mystical. Your Christian life is not an abstract thing you hold or a badge you wear. No, the Christian life is walking with Jesus through every single zig and zag. And you become wise by drinking deeply from God's word at every twist and turn. And part of the profoundity of this beautiful book is the way it speaks to every single time of life. It's like a never-ending cascading waterfall whose presence is steady but whose notes and sounds are constantly different. What that means is this never changes but in each time of your life you will hear it slightly differently. You'll hear it differently in the really good times and in the hard times. You'll hear it in a time of suffering, a time of trial and a time of achievement and you'll hear it afresh. Because in some times of real great achievement, Jesus will break through a barrier of pride that's always been there. Or in a great time of suffering, Jesus will break through a blind spot that's been there for 20 years. And when you've got nothing left, Jesus' word shows you that he is all you need. One of the blessings of being a Christian is knowing that whatever time you are in, a brother or sister in church has been through it before you. You are not that special. Someone sitting in this building this morning has been through whatever time you have been through. So our last thing that spiritual timekeepers do is they make friendships across generations in church. There is great wisdom when we humble ourselves 
and listen to older people who have gone before you. You are not made to just be friends with people who are like you. God gives you the church as a gift. I have many fellow ministers who are now 70 who mentor me saying, your worth, Ed, is not the size of your church. It's the grace of God. I've got older brothers and sisters who have been totally broken by life. But they do not give up on Jesus because he's in control of time. I've got sisters in the faith who have learnt to forgive, to not hold that burden anymore and give it to God. And I've got brothers and sisters in this church who show me each week they make priorities to live for Jesus with the time in their diary. Together we navigate time with the crucified Lord. Let's pray. Father, you didn't make us to live as bubbles of time. Our identity and worth and purpose come from knowing who we are and when we are in your grand story. Help us to listen to that wisdom and to walk with the crucified Christ together each moment of time. Amen.